To cherish means to protect and care for someone lovingly, or to hold someone dear. We all often say, almost flippantly, that we love each other, yet we often don't feel loved. Why is that? Could it be that love is more than just an expression or a feeling? Thanks for joining us for this week's Cross Church podcast. Today, as you listen, we hope you'll be challenged to gain excellence in all your relationships and find out how to keep them growing healthy and strong. By the way, if you'd like to know more about Cross Church and find out how to get connected with the life of the church, we invite you to explore our website. It's at www.crosschurch.ca. You'll find lots of information about all the exciting programs and events that you and your family can get involved in. In today's message, Pastor Allen challenges us to take seriously the golden rule. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Discover how living by the golden rule can dramatically improve your marriage and all your relationships. Here now is Pastor Allen with part three of the sermon series titled Healthy Relationships. morning. And we are continuing in our series on healthy relationships. Today is Valentine's Day, and I want to say happy Valentine's Day to you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. You know, you, you, this, the first service, uh, this, they're so utterly and completely different. It's quite amazing. Some of you should join us for the first service for a change. But... Um, Good to have you here today. Uh, I wanted to share with you um, some more advice from children about love. And uh, little Earl, age seven, says, this is what he says about love. This is advice on loving. He says, spend most of your time loving instead of going to work. I think that's good advice. Lynette, age eight, says, dates are for having fun, and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. <laughs> Little Ricky, age seven, says, tell your wife that she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. <laughs> Little Emma, age eight, says, don't forget your wife's name. <laughs> that will mess up the love. Little Rubby, age eight, says, sensitivity don't hurt. And Aaron, age eight, says, be a good kisser. Age eight, I know. It might make your wife forget that you never took out the trash. <laughs> Wendy, age eight, says, when a, when a person gets kissed for the first time, they fall down and they don't get up for at least an hour. <laughs> that happened to me. Uh, Tammy, age 10, it's never okay to kiss a boy. Um, they always slobber all over you. That's why I stopped doing it. And then Kurt, age seven, says, the law says you have to be 18, so I wouldn't want to mess with that. <laughs> and then finally, little boy, age six, on seeing a couple kissing, he says he's trying to steal her bubble gum. <laughs> I thought that was great. So last week, we talked about, about praising each other, uh, encouraging one another, 
And we said that, that praising one another is what it means to edify. And the word edify means to build up. And that really is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We are in the business of building each other up, helping each other to be strong, helping each other become better people. Now, at our small group last Sunday, it was, uh, it was truly a, a wonderful, wonderful time. And uh, we actually have two small groups meeting our house, one on Sunday nights and one on Tuesday. The Tuesday meeting is for young adults. And at the end of it all, uh, some of the kids came up and said to me, this is, the, this is the best experience of my whole life. I've never had an experience like this before. I said, well, what happened? Well, they said, uh, what we did is we went around the circle, and, and everybody in the small group actually said a nice word, an edifying or encouraging word to the other person. And I think that there were, some people were crying. There was uh, a, few, uh, a few people had to, had to uh, hide their emotion because they were just so moved. Nobody had ever praised them like that before. Folks, I want to tell you, we're in the business as Christians, in the business of having healthy relationships, not just good relationships, because we said that good is the enemy of the best. We want to have healthy relationships, strong relationships, and the scriptures give us clear instructions as to how to do that. Now, today what we want to talk about, we want to talk about the importance of cherishing one another. Now, you say, Pastor John, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Here's the definition of the word cherish. It's a verb. It's something that you do. It's an action word. And it says, to cherish means to protect and to care for someone lovingly or to hold someone dear. It's to show great tenderness for somebody or to treasure someone. Now, before we go any further, I'm going to ask the guys. Oh, no, let me ask the ladies. Ladies, do you feel treasured by your husband? Don't say anything, don't say anything, because he's sitting right there. Just wink or nod at me. Two winks means no. (laughs) I'm going to tell you this. Most guys, when it comes time for coming to to Pastor Ellen for counseling, some of you have taken on the the marriage challenge. You came and, and we did a quick evaluation of your marriage to see where you're at. Uh, some of you have come to me for marriage, uh, pre-marriage counseling. Others have come for me to me after you got married. And the interesting thing is that the most of the guys, when they come, they always say, I thought everything was really good. That's what the guys always say. And as the guys, I, if I, as I'm asking, how's it going? The guy's saying, really good. And she's going, hmm, not, not so great. And he can't understand this because they don't fight. They seem to get along, they watch TV together, they eat together, they go to sl- they sleep in the same bed together. As far as he's concerned, everything is just great. The problem is, though, is that we're not looking for just good relationships, we're looking for healthy and strong relationships. And so what we want to learn over these four weeks is how do we move from just being a good marriage to having a healthy and a strong marriage? Folks, I'm going to tell you, uh, the reason that marriages fail is because, oftentimes, is because a wife just simply does not feel cherished by her husband. You say, Pastor Allen, it sounds like you're making it all the man's responsibility. I would say majority of a strong and healthy relationship, a strong and healthy marriage, is a man's responsibility. It really starts with a man. Now, if you don't agree with me on that, you can come and talk to me after, um, but I can... I can pretty much prove to you that that's the case almost all the time. 
When it comes to friendships failing, two friends, they just, they not get along anymore. They don't seem to want to be friends anymore. It's because one or both parties is not feeling cherished or treasured or valued, whatever word you want to use, by the other person. It's why people leave the church. It's because they don't feel treasured, they don't feel valued, they don't feel connected. Now, I'm going to tell you, we've had people leave our church over the years, and it's not because we don't cherish or value them. It's because for some reason, they don't feel treasured or valued. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you want your kids to have a strong and healthy relationship with you, you, you've got to make sure they feel cherished and valued by you, parents. If you want your wife to be happy, you need to make sure that she feels valued, cherished by you. So let's take a look at what the Bible says about this, and then we're going to talk about some practical things that we need to do in order to experience what I'm talking about, that sense of being cherished and valued. When Jesus was about 10 years old, there was a famous teacher by the name of uh, Hillel the Elder. He was probably the most famous rabbi teacher of his day. In fact, he wrote uh, large amounts of of Uh, writings for the Jewish religion, for the Jewish people. And one of the great things that he said in response to the question, uh, he, he was asked to sum up the entire Torah, the Torah being the first five books of the Bible. Sum it up in, 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 in a concise sentence, and here's what he said. He said, quote, that which is hateful to you, do not do to others. Did you get that? That which is hateful to you, do not do to others. Now, some of you, that sounds familiar, and you'll see why in just a moment. Then he goes on to say this. He says that the whole Torah is summed up in that sentence. Let me remind you. That which is hateful to you, do not do to others. He says this is the whole Torah. And then he goes on to say this. He says the rest is the explanation. In other words, what he's saying is the rest of the Bible explains and describes and helps you to understand and gives examples and illustrations of what it means to live this life. That which is hateful to you, do not do to others. And then he goes on to say this, go and learn. Go live it out. Go figure out how this works. Go figure out how this rolls out in your personal life. Now, I told you that Jesus was about 10 years old when this man died. Great, great teacher of the day. Jesus then takes his teaching and he puts a positive spin on it. Now it's stated negatively, that which is hateful to you, do not do. Jesus comes along and he gives us a brand new instruction. In fact, we call it the golden rule. How many have ever heard of the golden rule? Anybody want to recite it or are you too nervous? Don't, 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 just, just listen to this. Because if you don't understand this, which is, which is fundamental to the Christian faith, then you really don't understand the Christian faith. And here's the golden rule. We read it in Matthew 7, 12. Do to others, read it with me, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Now, I want you to notice that this is stated positively. Do to others. It's action. It's a verb. It's something that we do. How many understand today that love is an action? It's, it's, a, it's something that we do on a regular basis. 
Now, I'm going to stop everybody right now and, and just ask you this. What are you doing in your life right now to love the people in your life? You say, Pastor Alan, I told my husband this morning I love them. I'm not asking what did you say. I'm asking what did you do? Because there's a huge difference. Everybody knows that talk is cheap. How many know that today? Talk is very cheap. You can say anything. But the question is, what are you doing? Living up the golden rule, I'm going to tell you this, will dramatically change your marriage. Living out this golden rule will dramatically change your relationship with your children, with the people you work with, with your clients. It'll dramatically change your relationship with your boss. If you learn to live what Jesus is telling us to live, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. And we could say with Hillel, the whole Bible then is an explanation or a description or an illustration of what this means. I'm going to tell you this, a commitment to the other person in your, in your life without expectation of anything in return is Christianity 101. I'm going to love you without the expectation of anything in return. That's Christianity 101. Now, I'm going to say, I know, I know some of you are sitting here thinking, man, Pastor Allen, that sounds like impossible to live. And if you believe that, well, guess what? You're correct. What you need, first of all, is the faith of God to give you the ability to take that step of faith and say, I'm going to love you whether you love me in return. I, I, that's not the point. I'm going to love you because Jesus tells me to love you. I'm going to love you because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It takes great faith to do that. And it takes a great deal of grace and strength from God. And I can tell you this, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith in him, the Bible says that you have been given the Holy Spirit to strengthen you and to help you live this life. Because I'm going to tell you, most of us want to live a reactive life rather than an active life. What do I mean by that? We want to react to people rather than to act towards people. Jesus says, do to others what you like them to do to you. There is no footnote in my Bible that says, when people do good to you, then do good to them. No, he's saying you take the first step. You make the first move. You take the first step of kindness. You be kind first. He calls us to do what we're supposed to do. Now, Paul, helping us understand what Jesus is saying, he goes on to say this. Paul, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29 to 30. Can you put that up? He said, look, here's what Paul says. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because what? We are members of his body. Does this make sense to everybody? In other words, what Paul is saying is a healthy, a healthy situation a healthy person takes good care of himself. He eats properly, he exercises, makes sure that, that he doesn't put himself in danger. That's what a healthy person does. And likewise, you do the same thing for the people in your life. You're gonna take good care of them. You're gonna nurture them. You're gonna care for them. You're gonna treasure them. You're gonna value them. And then he goes on to say, just the way that Jesus took care of the church. And what did Jesus do for the church? In case you don't know, in case you're new to church, Jesus gave his life for us. 
In fact, Jesus says this. He says, the Son of Man did not come to, 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 to be served. The Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus then teaches us, and the Apostle Paul expounds on this teaching, teaching us what it means to truly love the way Jesus loved. Jesus says this about love. He says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's the kind of love we're talking about. I'm gonna tell you husbands, I'm talking to the men now, Ladies, this was a good day to pick to come to church because I'm going to really pick on the men. Guys, you're the one that's got to take the first move. You're the one that's got to take the first step. You're the one that has got to say, okay, if I'm going to have a good marriage, it's going to be because of me because I am going to be the leader in my home. We talk about men being leaders in their home, being the head of the house. Well, if you are here today, guys, thinking that to be the leader in your home, the head of your house means that you're the boss and you're the dictator and you're gonna dictate to everybody what to do, you don't get it at all. Sorry. To be a leader in your home means that you're gonna be like Christ and it means that you're gonna be the one that takes the first step in loving your wife, loving your children and loving the people in your life. You are gonna do to others as you would have them do to you. But most of us, guys, we got this idea, this notion that, well, if my wife will be good to me, I'll be good to her. If, she'll take, if, she'll, if my wife will take care of me, will cook my meals, and, and then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do my part. But it doesn't start with your wife, it starts with you. Now, this is the problem with so many marriages, is that it's, it's the woman who has to take the initiative. It's the woman who takes the first step. And then, she, and then she comes for counseling. She says, Pastor, I can't take it anymore. And he'd say, what, what, what's wrong? I thought everything was good. And she, meanwhile, she feels like she doesn't have a husband. She's got another child in the house. To love the way Jesus calls us to love means, guys, that you and I take the first step. Now, some, some of you are in a situation where you just, you, maybe your husband is not that kind of guy. He doesn't go to church, not a Christian, whatever. Yeah, so you know what, ladies? If you're in a situation like that, don't despair. Do what Jesus says to do anyway. You take the first step. If you have a greater understanding of what it is to truly love, then you need to do what Jesus tells you to do. And it's not easy. But I'm gonna tell you this, love never is easy. Loving one another, loving each other, loving the people in our lives, loving our children, loving our spouse, loving our boss, our workmates, that's not easy. But I can tell you this, it's worth it. Because everybody who lives the golden rule will eventually begin to reap what they are sowing. And if you are reaping a loveless marriage, if you are reaping a loveless family life, your kids can't stand you, they run from you when they see you coming, it's time for you to rethink how you're living your life. It's time for you to ask yourself the question, what do I need to do different? You know, this happens all the time. We, you know, we, we say almost flippantly, and it's, it's easy to say, hey, love you, man, love you, cool. I mean, peace, hang loose, whatever. Everybody says it. Everybody says, love you, love you, love you. But, but the problem is that so many of us don't feel it. And I'll tell you why, again, because talk is cheap. Jesus, when he tells us to do unto others as, as we would have them do unto us, what, what's he saying? He's saying you've got to take a move. You've got to do something loving for the people in your life. 
When's the last time you did something loving for the people in your life? I don't, I'm not saying when's the last time you said you loved somebody or loved your spouse or loved your, your kids. I'm saying, what did you do? What action did you take? Because that is how you demonstrate a true cherishing, a true treasuring or valuing of the people in your life. You know, this is uh, Valentine's Day, guys. And uh, I want you to know that uh, I bought flowers for my wife. I bought her not a dozen, but two dozen roses. I'm just saying. And uh, Gloria jokingly said, boy, you're going to look good to the small group tonight. (laughs) Once a year, we have a special day. We call it Be Kind to Your Spouse Day. Be Kind to Her Day. Be Kind to Him Day. One day a year. Out of 365 days a year, we've got one day where it's like, oh yeah, I've got to be nice to my wife. I better buy her some chocolates. I better buy her some flowers. I better get her a card. I hope, I hope that Valentine's Day comes to your house more than once a year. Gloria and I always joke that every day is Valentine's Day at our house. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. I can see the happy couples all you're smiling. What's life like at your house? Is it Valentine's every day or is it misery? He comes home and you think, oh, here's my chance to go and exercise, get away from him. I'm going to stay out till 6 o'clock. I won't come home after work. I'm going to stay away, let the kids have their meals and go to their, then I'll have to, I can avoid them. We don't really, really love the way Jesus calls us to love. And then we wonder why our kids don't want to be with us. And we wonder why our spouse doesn't want to be with us. I had a relative. I know it's my grandmother. I'm going to just tell you straight out. She used to promise me all sorts of things. I'm going to buy you a car when you graduate. Never got one. I'm going to buy you a new suit. Never got one. I'm going to buy you a ring. She did buy me that ring, but then she decided she didn't want to give it to me because she figured that she could maybe use it as leverage for something. I can't tell you how many times my grandmother talked the talk but didn't do what she said she was going to do. And you know what happened to me, folks? Something died inside of me towards my grandma. Some of you are nodding your head. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Lots of talk, but no action. I did finally get her that ring she bought for me. You know when I got it? I got it when she died. It was left in her, in a box somewhere. Refused to give it to me while she was alive. And something inside of me died. Some of you are sitting here today feeling really dead inside towards your husband, your wife, your kids, your mother, your father, your, I don't know. You know. I can tell you how to fix that. You need to rise up now and start doing exactly what Jesus said to do. You need to start doing to others as you would have them do to you. And that's what I started to do with my grandmother as God began to 
show me how to deal with her. Because I can tell you, so disappointed, so, so disappointed, over and over and over and over again. And when I die, Alan, you're going to get, there's lots of money coming to you and nothing, nothing. I decided I was going to start loving her, start caring for her, not because of what she was doing for me, but because Jesus told me to. I can tell you what happened. That part of my heart that was dead, that part of my heart that that felt angry and resentment and, and, and felt bitterness, now had a brand new love in it, a love that came from God. And I began to love my grandmother and care for her, not because of what she was going to do for me, what, she was, because of what she was going to give me, but because of Jesus. And you know, because of my change of heart, when she was in her last days, I was able to lead her to Christ on her deathbed a woman crippled by her own emotional problems and her own emotional baggage from her upbringing. Some of you today, you need to start letting go of the anger and the bitterness, the resentment. That part of you that has died, you need to let the Spirit of God bring it back to life. And the way that that's going to happen, my friends, is by beginning to ask God for a brand new love in your heart. And you need to start loving these people in your life that have let you down and failed you and hurt you. Because this is Christianity 101. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. We love because he first loved us. You know, I, I, I love uh, medieval literature. I love stories of daring do and chivalry. Has anybody ever heard of the Three Musketeers or Robin Hood? Some of these, these medieval tales. And the reason they strike a chord with us is because it's usually about some damsel in distress being rescued by the chivalrous knight or some woman whose honor needs to be defended and a, and a great hero steps up and defends her honor. Or, or Robin Hood who goes and, and takes from the filthy rich and gives it to the poor. Who stands up against the tyrants who lord it over the poor and the needy. And something inside of us says, yes, this is, this is good, this is right. Do you, want, do you want to know why it strikes a chord with us? Because it's part of our Christian heritage. It reflects what Christianity is really all about, about loving the people around us, not necessarily because they deserve it, but because that's what Jesus would do. In the Journal of Psychosomatic Medicine, Dr. Tristan Inagaki, she reports that those who regularly give support to others may have a reduced response to stress and be more sensitive to rewards In other words, what she's saying is that the level of the brain only support giving or the giving of support was associated with beneficial outcomes. This may improve health by reducing activity in stress and threat-related regions during stressful experiences. What they're just discovering now is something that the Bible's been saying for years. The thing that's gonna bring you the greatest sense of satisfaction, the greatest sense of joy, 
is by supporting and loving and helping and encouraging the people in your life. No wonder a mother loves to care for her children. No wonder a father loves to support his children, loves to go to work to bring home a paycheck to put food in the mouths of his wife and children. No wonder a woman wants to do that. No wonder a husband delights in honoring and bringing cheer to his wife, because that's how God created us. Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because Jesus knows what you need best. He knows what's gonna bring you the greatest sense of happiness and joy. And that's just loving the people in your life. You know, I was thinking this morning of people in my life who've loved me and cared for me, I was thinking of Gloria, my wife, every Sunday morning. She gets up early, early in the morning. It's her one day when she could sleep in if she wanted to. I've never told her she's got to get up with me, but she gets up with me. And she, again, in the shower, she says, Alan, can I get you a coffee? Can I get you a piece of toast? And she knows how to make the toast just the way I like it, just not too burnt and not too white, just right. Knows how much peanut butter to put on there. Knows how much raspberry jam it's got to be raspberry. Knows exactly how to do it. Does it exactly the way I like it. Brings me my coffee just the right color, not too much cream, not too little cream. And those mornings when I can't drink coffee and eat toast at that early hour, she'll, she'll go and pick it up for me from Tim Hortons. I never ask her to do that. She drives me to church every Sunday morning, early in the morning and goes to Tim Hortons and gets me something to eat. I know she loves me, not because she talks about it, but because she does love me. She does love me. Did you get that? My parents, amazing people. My parents come to this church every Sunday. That's right, every Sunday. They come and they listen to their son Give them advice. How many parents want to get advice from their kids? It doesn't happen anywhere. But I've got amazing parents who don't just tell me they love me, but they demonstrate it by showing up. And when I say, hey, we've got a banquet for missions to raise money for missions, we'll buy tickets. It's not just for the love of God, but it's for the love of their son. We need volunteers to make vines. My parents are there. I need volunteers working in the office. They're there answering phones, selling tickets. By the way, the ticket seller this morning is my mom. We need to have a sink installed in the, in the nursery. My dad's on it. Not just talking about love, but by demonstrating it by his actions. Now, for some of us, we're just simply not in the habit of loving and caring for the people in our lives. We're waiting for them to take the first step, but I'm telling you, guys, you have got to take the first step if we're talking about your marriage. If we're talking about your family, moms and dads, it's your responsibility to take the first step. And if it's your friendships, well, it's your responsibility, every one of us. Don't sit and wait. Do unto others as you had them do unto you. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to all husbands, and I'm gonna close with this in just a moment. He says, in the same way, husbands, 
Husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. You say, Pastor Allen, how do I know if I'm getting it right? Just ask. Don't ask me. Ask your wife. Ask your husband. How am I doing? Am I getting it right? And if she says what you don't want to hear, don't get angry and storm off. Don't have a little temper tantrum. Don't throw down the keys or throw down whatever. I I can never please you. Next week, by the way, we're going to be talking about communicating with one another. Really critical. Because the, the fact is, is that so many of us don't really want to hear the truth, do we? You don't know whether you're getting it right, guys? Ask your wife. Dear, honey, sweetie pie, darling one, whatever you call her, do you feel cherished by me? How am I doing in the area of cherishing and treasuring you? Do you feel like you are the most important person in my life? And if she says no, don't get angry. Say thank you. And honey, can you help me? Can you help me be a better husband? Ladies, do the same thing. Ask your husband, how am I doing in this department? Am I loving you the way I need to love you? In your friendships, you're struggling there? Ask your friend, you know what? I, I want to be a really good friend to you. Is there anything I could do to, to be a better friend? You know, we, there's people in our life who we would call friends it's like if we don't take the initiative, we never hear from them. Never, they never talk to us. It's just nothing. It's just, it's got to be, I got to take the initiative. That's not friendship. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. You want good, strong friendships? Reach out and be a good friend. You want to have a great love life, a great marriage? Take the first step. In the the movie My Fair Lady. It's actually a play called Pygmalion. The story about a a young woman who sells flowers on the streets. And Professor Higgins decides he's going to turn this gutter snipe into a true lady. Without going into the whole story, let me just tell you about one part of it. A young man by the name of Freddie Einsford Hill falls in love with Eliza and comes and hangs out on, his, on her doorstep at the, on, the, on the corner of the street that she lives and he sings all day long to her and brings her flowers and sings and sings and sings. And finally she says, like, don't talk of love lasting through time. Please don't explain. Show me. Show me. Don't wait until wrinkles and lines pop up all over my brow. Show me now. I want to say this to you today. If you want to have a healthy relationship, move from just a good relationship where you, you're not arguing with each other, you seem to be coexisting well. If you want to move from there to the place where you've got a passionate, wonderful marriage and fantastic relationships, then you're going to have to start doing what Jesus said. You're going to have to start doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. You're you're going to have to take a move, make a move. Don't wait for lightning to strike or for a sign from the sky. Think of what you can do to bless the people in your life. 
do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Would you stand me, please? Father, thank you for your word today. And thank you, God, for the instruction that teaches us how to have a happy and satisfactory life, a life that fills our hearts with contentment, how to have a great marriage and how to have a great family life where we love our kids and our kids love us, how to have a great working environment where we like the people we're working with. Jesus, you've called us to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. So God, today, give us clear instruction and guidance by your Holy Spirit. Show us who we need to love. Show us somebody we can do something nice for. Show us somebody that we can go the extra mile for. Help us to see God that talk is cheap. And what you're calling us for, calling us to do is, is to take these concrete steps, action for the people that we love. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, I love you.